Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. During the time of the Second Temple, the Sanhedrin was a sort of religious supreme court and religious leadership. Its members were scribes, priests, and Levites. Some of them were members of the Sadducees, others were Pharisees, and others were not affiliated with either of those parties. When a certain man appeared uh, in the wilderness beyond the Jordan, and began to preach repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and to baptize those who came to him in contrition and repentance, they needed to investigate, especially since this man was John, the son of Zechariah, a priest. Maybe not at first, but when he was gaining a following, and many of the people were calling him a prophet of God, they needed to know more. And so they sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask John, Who are you? Who are you? Who do you claim to be? Why are you here? What exactly do you think you're doing? It had been a very long time since there had been any prophets in Israel. The prophets had ceased, and so they must investigate. Who could he be? The people had been waiting a long time for the Messiah, for the Christ, the Anointed One, to appear. Maybe it was John. John confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. So if he was not the Christ, maybe he was another of one of those for whom they were waiting. Maybe he was Elijah. After all, it was written in Micah, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. John sure dresses like Elijah. He sure seems to act like him. Maybe he was Elijah, come again from heaven, where he was taken in the chariot of fire without dying. And so they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. If this John was not the Christ, and if he was not Elijah, maybe he was the prophet like Moses, of which Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. And so they asked him, Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. What were they to do? Who was this man? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And here John shows how he fulfills his vocation as the forerunner of Christ, as the one who points others towards Jesus. He does not dwell on himself, he does not dwell on his own work, but he confesses and bears witness about Jesus when he says that he is here to make straight the way of the Lord, to make straight the way of Jesus Christ, who is coming soon. And when they ask him why he baptizes, he has yet another opportunity to confess about Jesus, saying, I baptize with water, 
But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. John says to them, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, nor the prophet, but I baptize to prepare the way of the Lord, and he's already here. He is coming after me, but he is preferred before me, for he was before me. He prepares the way of the Lord through the preaching of repentance and the forgiveness of sins in the future Redeemer, who is the Christ and the prophet. He prepares his way by preaching repentance so that the mountains of pride may be laid low, and he preaches the forgiveness of sins so that those who are low in the valleys, weighed down by the burden of their sins, may be lifted up. Through the preaching of the word of the Lord, the crooked places of men's hearts are made straight, and the rough places of their soul made plain by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he prepares the way of the Lord, and here he confesses to, be, to those sent to inquire of him that their kinsman Redeemer is near, and that he will rescue them and redeem them. Wait, what is that, Pastor? You may ask. There's a lot of talk of the Christ and the prophet and even Elijah, but where is the Redeemer? How is John pointing to Jesus as the Redeemer? Here, John points the people not just to any Redeemer, but to their kinsman Redeemer. John and those he was answering would have been very familiar with the Old Testament after all, especially those parts that pertained to the law of the land of Israel. After all, the Sanhedrin was a sort of supreme court, and John was the son of a priest, a priest whose job it was to make known the knowledge of God's word to the people as a part of his role. The kinsman redeemer was a special office in the Old Testament which God had put in place to protect widows, especially those without any means to provide for themselves. They were to be a close relative of her or her husband, and they would provide for the widow through buying her land, taking on her debts, and accepting all the risk of doing so. The ancient custom that accompanied this acceptance of contracts such as this role was the loosening of one's sandal and removing it. We see an example of this in the book of Ruth. While the man who was first in line to be her redeemer refuses to redeem her, Boaz took off his sandal and said to the elders and all the people, You are witness this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Mahlon's from the hand of Naomi. By removing his sandal, Boaz confirmed before all those present that he would redeem Naomi and Ruth, and that he would take Ruth as his wife. This would have been known by all those in attendance when John said, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. The one who is coming after John is the kinsman redeemer of Israel and of all people. Jesus, the Christ, the prophet, is our kinsman redeemer. First, see how he is our kinsman. There stands one among you whom you do not know. He who is coming after me is preferred before me. Why is he preferred to John? 
He said earlier in this chapter, for he, is, for he is before me. This one, this one who is coming is preferred to John because he is before John. Although he comes after, he is before John because he is eternal. He is the Son of God, the eternal Word. But in order to be our Redeemer, the Son of God, the eternal Word, the Logos, came after John. That is, he took on human flesh and blood into his person, he assumed a human nature, and he was born. He was born around six months after John the Baptist, and he revealed himself after John the Baptist's ministry began. Yes, when John said, there stands one among you, he is saying that this Redeemer, while he is God, is also man. And taking on flesh, the Son of God became our kinsman, our brother. I will raise up for you a prophet like you from among their brethren, the Lord said to Moses. The Son of God, through taking on a human nature, has been raised up from among mankind within the people of Israel, so that he may truly be our kinsman, who can redeem us from the sins which weigh us down. When Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, was baptized by John in the Jordan River, he was proclaimed by God to be his beloved son. There he publicly loosed his sandal and bared his foot to say that he was accepting the role of our kinsman redeemer. He is the one who would assume all the risk in redeeming us, who would take upon himself all that is ours in order to redeem us and provide for us. There he began to bear the sins of the world, taking upon himself the debt of our sin, which weighs us down with its enormity, and against which we struggle daily, and by which we are tempted to despair. But Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, has taken these upon himself. He has taken on our sins so that we may be free of them, so that we may be lifted up, so that we may live. In place of our sin, he covers us with his righteousness as a garment, and taking us under his protection and care. Yes, he has taken our sins upon himself that he might pay the debt of sin that we owe through his vicarious suffering upon the cross, where he made atonement for them. Yes, Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, who has bared his foot, has, like the barefooted priests who offer sacrifices in the temple, made atonement for us through his vicarious offering of his death upon the cross. Yes, our Lord Jesus, our kinsman redeemer, through his cross and passion has bruised the serpent's head while bruising his heel. Though he has trampled Satan down under our feet, through this, he has trampled down Satan under our feet, defeating the one who accuses us and tempts us, who tries to have us wallow in despair rather than trusting in our Redeemer. And our Lord's death is called a bruising of his heel because on the third day he rose again from the dead. Because he paid the debt of our sin, he made full atonement for it. And he brought life and immortality to light. Yes, he opened the kingdom of heaven to all believers in him, for it is by faith in him that our sins are forgiven. And in his rising from the dead, he is described as a bridegroom leaving his chamber, coming out with joy, having done everything to redeem and save his bride, the church. 
Yes, he comes out like a strong man who runs his course with joy because of the joy set before him. The joy that comes from having redeemed us that we may spend eternity in his presence. So let us rejoice, brothers and sisters, beloved of God, because we by faith are united to Christ in his beloved Son. Let us rejoice, for the Lord is at hand. He is on his way. He is near. He is coming again to save us. Yes, the Lord is coming, and he will bring with him our salvation for which we long. For now, even as his redeemed people, even as those who are justified by faith in him through God's grace, we still struggle with sin, and sin still weighs on us. But when he comes with our salvation, he will change us to be like he is, sinless, perfect, holy, freed forever from all sin which plagues us now. Yes, in Jesus Christ, the heavens above have rained down righteousness, and by the work of the Holy Spirit, through the word, our hearts have been opened, that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. And so let our gentleness be known before all. Let Christ's righteousness bear fruit in our hearts, the fruit of faith, which are good works of love towards our neighbors, sharing with them the good news of their kinsman and redeemer, who has come to redeem them, to lift them up from despair, from the burdens of their sins, so that they might have peace with God that comes from sins forgiven in Jesus Christ. Yes, let us always rejoice in the Lord and pray, Come, Lord Jesus, come and save us. Come and rescue us from the threatening peril of our sins. Come and lighten the darkness of our hearts. Come and lift from us the sins which weigh us down. Come, for you, O Lord, are our help and deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. Take heart, brothers and sisters. Know that the Lord is at hand. He is near to all who call upon him, all who call upon him in truth. Yes, to all who call upon him in repentant faith, trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins through the tender mercy of our God. Thanks, praise, honor, glory, and dominion be to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whom we have salvation, who is blessed forever and ever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.